Merry Christmas. I know that as far as the liturgical year goes, Advent has just only ended and Christmas has begun. But a lot of us don't live in the liturgical world. A lot of us live in the secular world where out-of-town families will soon be going back, going back home. And, and there will be people who will have this dread set in as they are looking to return to school or work. Um, Bill Christ has a very interesting tie on uh, right here. He actually has the tie of one person who is not going to dread the next week, and it, um, I will describe it for you folks at home and for those who can't see it. It is Santa in the hot tub with all of the reindeer celebrating the fact that his season of work has finished. But as all of us uh, in the real world, a lot of us are going to experience the Christmas crash, kind of a hangover from events and parties and activities. I mean, we tried to pack in so much excitement and joy and gifts into the past couple of weeks just to ensure that we would have a good Christmas. You know, last Saturday, my family had one of those days. My wife and I started with a breakfast date together at a coffee shop where we shared some of our Christmas memories. Then we took our teen kids to see the ice sculptures here on Silver Spring, complete with embarrassing photos at every stop. And if you're not my Facebook friend, go check those out. And then when you see my kids, say, oh, you guys look so cute. It'd be great. They'll love it. Um, and then that afternoon, the kids went to go see a movie while my wife and I had a pleasant lunch out at a local brewery. That was a lot of fun for us. And then Afterwards, we saw some friends at a hockey game, a, a local hockey game, and that was awesome. And then the day continued where we got some ice cream treats, holiday ice cream treats, of course, peppermint shakes, and then we went to see the Christmas light, Christmas light show in Caledonia. And when we got home, there was hot chocolate in front of the television, and we fell asleep just as Rudolph and his friends had arrived at the island of misfit toys. Now... That's how you do Christmas, right? I mean, we got most of it done all in one day. And before you think we forgot anything, in between all of our trips, Amazon had dropped off at least two or three packages at the door. It was perfect. But now we're on the other side of indulgence, overeating, and activity. And later on this week, we'll stumble like zombies into the basement to bring up the red and green totes, to begin to pack up the Christmas decorations and wonder why every year they don't seem to quite fit back in the box as they did when we pulled them out. And I bring you all this because this is the proper context for us to understand our scripture reading today. It's at the end of Luke 2, and it's the only real glimpse we get to see of Jesus in between the stable and becoming fully grown-up minister. And it begins with verse 41. Now every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. 
When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their other or their friends and relatives. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. Now, a lot of us could be highly critical of Joseph and Mary for losing Jesus. But I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, the festival of the Passover was a big deal. And while it says Mary and Joseph went every year, that was not necessarily common. In fact, some Jews would only make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem occasionally or maybe even once or twice in their lifetime. So it's a trip that took commitment, and it was full of activity and excitement. It was time-consuming and exhausting. They made the trip in a caravan with many relatives, some who they may not connect with regularly. And the return trip for them was similar to our Christmas crash. Maybe they called it the Passover plummet. For Mary and Joseph, it was a letdown from their religious high. And facing the reality of the redundant, they too perhaps dreaded the return of the routine. In the midst of all of this, they lost Jesus. There's something heavy in that statement, isn't there? They lost Jesus? If you ever left a kid at church or lost track of one in a department store, you might have some sympathy, right? As difficult as it is to believe that Jesus could be gone for days without their noticing, we need to understand how the group traveled. See, it was easy for Mary and Joseph to assume that he was traveling with a cousin or a few steps behind them. Because the way that this caravan would work is that the men would usually lead, women and smaller children would be in the middle, and then the, you know, kind of the middle of the road children, they would be a step behind. In fact, it was the perfect home alone type scenario. Jesus was 12, and while he was technically still a child, we know that Jesus had a younger brother who probably demanded more of the parents' attention. Jesus had become familiar enough to be overlooked. So let me ask you a question. In the holiday activities, gifts, and visits with family, have you ever felt that you lost Jesus? Maybe he is there in the songs that we can sing on autopilot without even thinking of the words, or camouflaged among the hay of the nativity scene, But how many times this season do we let the story of God with us penetrate our heart? Maybe you felt it. You know, it's easier to experience Christmas through the fresh eyes of a child. Or if you ever shared the Christmas story with someone, maybe a a child or a grandchild, nephew or niece, you might know this feeling. Yet, in the midst of the Christmas crash the post-holiday plummet, how long before Jesus becomes familiar? Familiar enough to be overlooked. When does the joy of the season give way to the numbness 
But life goes on. Back to normal. Whatever that means anymore, right? Every time I read about Joseph and Mary losing Jesus after the Passover, before I judge them, I have to examine my own heart. How often do I look for Jesus? Has Jesus become so familiar that I just assume I know what Jesus wants? Do I ever tune out in church because, oh yeah, I know this story? Or, yeesh, I really don't like that hymn. I'm just going to kind of tune out there. When was the last time I considered Jesus or Jesus' command to love one another before I made a major decision in my life? When was the last time you saw Jesus? In the kind words of a friend? In a family member's embrace? The good deed of a stranger? The curiosity of of a child? Maybe sometimes we don't see Jesus because we're not looking. Luke continues to recount Mary and Joseph's frantic searching. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. Jesus was going to get it, wasn't he? But Jesus finally turns up. He is among the leaders of the temple. He is holding his own with the teachers of the law. These people have been studying God years before Jesus made his entrance into the world by a lowly stable. I believe that Jesus' pure motives and honest curiosity is what shocked these teachers. It says that when Others heard this. They were amazed at his understanding and his answers. But here's what blows my mind, though. Okay? This is what totally takes me off guard. It says, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. Really? I mean, they were there when Jesus was born. They met angels, right? They received gifts. And they, Joseph and Mary... They were astonished. No wonder they wrote that song, Mary, Did You Know, right? I I just think they knew Jesus better than anyone. But they were astonished. And after that, they were upset. Why have you treated us this way? Well, I have a little bit of a warning for you. Are you ready? Yes. Thank you. (laughs) If you like things the way they are, If you're okay with Silent Night, Holy Night, and a sweet baby in the hay who doesn't challenge the way you live, then stop looking for Jesus. I've been studying the Bible for probably 25 years, and there's not a lot in there that shocks me, okay? I mean, I've read all the words. But if I'm really looking for Jesus in my life, when I'm confronted with the love and character of Emmanuel, God with us, two things always happen. I'm astonished and upset. Every time I think I understand 
the love and the grace of God, I am challenged by radical forgiveness. When I think of when I think I have a notion of the integrity of Jesus, I realize that he first offered communion to people he knew would betray and deny him. Jesus never fails to surprise me with hope, peace, joy, and love. But at the same time, Jesus upsets me. Because like Joseph and Mary, I have to ask Jesus, where were you? Whenever the love of Jesus leads me deeper down the road or when a child asks me a question about Jesus that makes me pause and reevaluate why I spent three years in seminary to be shown up by an eight-year-old at VBS, it happens. I get upset. But being upset is different than being angry. Upset means I need to understand this new truth and try to reconcile it with my life. Mary's question is, why? It's a question that seeks to understand, which leads Jesus to this answer. He said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And if you read the Bible for any period of time, you will discover that Jesus' best answers are actually questions. And this one was a doozy. Jesus asks, why were you searching for me? Was Mary concerned for Jesus? Was she concerned for her reputation as a mother? Was she angry with how he behaved? Who knows? Whatever she discovered in that question, she learned something that she treasured in her heart. But the bigger question is, what about us? How do we answer that question? Why were you searching for me? Why is it that we're gathered in this room this morning? Shoot, we already were at church on Friday. Isn't once a week enough for you people? What is it that we look, why is it that we look for Jesus? I mean, this is important. There are going to be people who will say, well, this is the only right reason to look to Jesus. But, but let me ask you a few questions. Are you tired? Because Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Are you afraid? Because he says, take courage, for I have conquered the world. Are you troubled? Jesus tells us, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I want to confess something. The original title of this message was called Lost at Home. And it was something that uh, one of our Methodist resources said, hey, this is, this is the title you should use this week. The problem that with that is that when we discover Jesus, we realize that he wasn't the one who was lost. When we continue to look for Jesus, Jesus finds us. 
He surprises and astonishes us. He upsets our small faith and leads us to his Father's house, to the kingdom of God. Our passage ends with this one last verse. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. Jesus reminds us that we are on a never-ending journey of growing up. Jesus sets the example. John Wesley, who's the founder of the Methodist tradition, calls this sanctification, this idea that we're never going, we're never ending, growing more and more like Jesus. And we're not supposed to stop until we're perfect. I'm still on the road. But as we look forward to this coming new year and a new series and where we're going to hopefully take this new year to be different, I want to close with a few thoughts, a few questions. Have we allowed Jesus to become too familiar, too easily overlooked? Are we prepared to be astonished and upset by the radical life of a baby who actually grows up? And lastly, are you looking for Jesus? Are you ready for Jesus to find you? Christmas may be over for all intents and purposes in our lives, but our deeper journey of faith is only beginning. Amen.